When one person mysteriously vanishes, it's startling and unnerving. You may think, well, maybe if they hadn't been alone, they may have stood a chance. Or if someone could have seen or heard them, they could have gone for help. But what happens when five people go missing all at the same time? And not just missing, but under bizarre circumstances. How could five people come up against something and nobody made it out? How did nobody see five people in dire need of help? How did five people not make a noise? The bigger mystery, what was it? And is it still out there? Maybe there isn't always safety in numbers. This is the case of the Yuba County Five. Hello, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed at bringing you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back and enjoy. No, I was gonna ask him. I just amped it up there at the end. I could have, but it's probably just the congestion. (laughs) Hello, everybody, (laughs) and welcome to another episode of the True Crime Banter Podcast. Yep. Uh, We've got no banter for today Mm -hmm. because today's a bit of a longer one. Hey, but the haters are gonna love that. Oh shit! (laughs) We just got true crime. (laughs) Fuck the banter. I mean, fuck the banter. Yeah, the people that don't like it, you'll be be pleased this time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, today you're just gonna hop into the case of the. Yuba County Five. And here we go. Bill Sterling. Jackie Hewitt, Ted Weir, Jack Madruga, and Gary Mathias were all huge basketball fans. Not only would you find them in the stands, but these young men actually all played as well for the same team called the Gateway Gators. The Gateway Gators was a basketball team for players with varying degrees of mental disabilities, and this is how they all met and became friends. Their ages ranged from 24 to 32, and all five men lived with their parents in and around Yuba County, California. It's late February, 1978, and all the guys are buzzing with excitement because the very next day, they were all going to play in their very first basketball tournament sponsored by the Special Olympics. There was even a chance they could win a trip to Los Angeles as the prize, and it's all they were talking about. Ooh. Being the big fans that they were, they had heard that there was a college game that very night, about a 50-mile drive away in the city of Chico. Their parents were a little hesitant, wanting to make sure that they were all home to get some rest before their big game the next day. But 
They were all so excited, the parents eventually agreed. And just a little side note here, the level of mental disability in these young men wasn't so extreme that they couldn't be unattended for periods of time. Okay. Some of the men had licenses and some held jobs as well. Oh, okay. Yes. But I just wanted to make sure because I said that they all lived at home and some of them were in their 20s and early 30s. And so they weren't completely reliant on the parents at all times. Nice. That evening, they all loaded into Jack Madruga's turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego and headed off. Jack didn't mind driving. He was obsessed with his car and any chance he could, he would take it out. A little while later, the men arrived at the game, had a good time, and afterwards stopped off to restock on snacks and drinks shortly before 10 p.m. What happens next? We may never know. All the boys' parents woke up early the next morning to find their beds empty. Thinking maybe their own individual sons had slipped up and forgot to mention some kind of sleepover arrangement, they called the other parents. But panic set in when all the parents realized none of their sons had arrived home the night prior. They all immediately headed to the police station. This was totally out of character for any of them. They were all very responsible. Plus, all they had been talking about was this basketball tournament. There was no way they would have missed it. Right. Right away, police started searching the long stretch of highway that the boys would have traveled that night, but there was no sign of them or their vehicle. News of the missing men traveled fast, and further up north, a ranger for the Plumas National Forest was reading the report when his eyes fixated on the vehicle description. He had seen a car just like it a couple days ago, parked on a road not too far away. It didn't alarm him before because the road that it was on was often used as an overnight parking area for people who went off into the mountains to cross-country ski. Okay, makes sense. Police headed out and found the car exactly where the ranger had said, and it was quickly confirmed to be Madruga's. Unfortunately, there was no sign of the men in or near the car. The weirdest part, though, is that the national forest where the car was found was over 70 miles in the opposite direction of where the men lived. When the parents were informed of this, none of them knew why their sons would have gone there. It held no significance to their knowledge. When the car was found, the snow had almost entirely taken it over. It had been snowing for days at this point. The officers noticed that the car was actually stuck in a snowbank, and there were signs that the men had tried to get the car free. All the men were in good physical health, and the snowbank wasn't very high. They could have easily gotten it free between the five of them. Police thought maybe it was a mechanical issue, but when the car was hot-wired, it started with no problem. And when checking the gas tank, there was a quarter tank left. So where did they go, and why did they leave the vehicle? When police were driving down this dirt road to find the car, it was full of holes and extremely bumpy and hard to navigate. But when looking at the Montego, the underside showed no signs of scratches or dents. They figured the driver either had been down this road before and were aware of the conditions, or someone must have been extremely careful and slow. 
I noted in here that I'm not sure if I find any significance in this, but police seem to point this out any chance they could in all the articles. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think anything too weird of it either, especially someone that's really (coughs) proud of their car and wants to drive it at any opportunity. Right. You're going to want to take care of it. You're not going to fly down a road full of potholes. Yeah, and I also think, too, even if you hadn't been there before, if you you started down a road and it started feeling weird, you would immediately start going slow. Yeah. And you would keep a slow pace. And also... Anybody would have done that. This is a nine-year-old car at this point. Mm. What do you mean that we didn't see any sign of damage from the road? Like, (laughs) I bet (laughs) you there is damage. What do you... Yeah. Okay. Huh. With the snow showing no signs of stopping... Searchers tried their best in the stormy conditions. While teams were out on foot, back at headquarters, they put out a request for anyone with information to call them. They wanted to know if any of their friends got a call from one of them, or perhaps a kind stranger offered them a ride that night if they had gotten stranded. They wanted anything. Unfortunately, no substantial leads ever came in. And eventually... Due to the conditions, they had to call off the search and wait for better weather. All their family and friends could do was wait, and hope that they were held up somewhere warm, waiting for the storm to pass. It isn't until June, when some bikers out for a day ride stumble upon a forest service trailer, about 20 miles from where the car was found. Whether they were seeking shelter from the heat, or just out of curiosity, they ventured inside, only to be hit with the worst smell you can imagine. And this was 20 miles away from where the car was found? Mm Mm-hmm. And seven months later, in the middle of summer, I could imagine the smell. Well, February to June? Was that seven? They disappeared November. No. February. Oh, I'm sorry. It's I'm okay. sorry. Why did I think November? You're fine. You're good. So, well, still four months. I mean, maybe it's because I mentioned snow. You might yeah, think maybe winter, I was but winter. it's February. Okay. You can still snow there. Still. Yeah. Four months, not seven. And it is out in the mountains, so. Yeah. I mean, still. And it's basically late February, so it's basically March. March, April, June. I mean, basically. Yeah. Yeah. As their eyes adjusted, they couldn't believe what they were looking at. They're on the bed wrapped in layers and layers of blankets was the decomposing body of Ted Weir. His feet were completely frostbitten and he had lost about 100 pounds. Based off of the length of his facial hair, it's estimated he could have been in the cabin alive for up to 13 weeks since his last shave. The cause of death showed to be a combination of hypothermia and starvation. And this is where it gets really weird. The cabin where he was found was very well equipped. It was meant to be a bunker, essentially. A place to seek shelter and wait for help. It had plenty of matches and kindling and even a butane tank for heat, along with extra winter clothing. Hmm. So why did Ted have frostbite and show signs of hypothermia? He had all the tools he needed to keep warm. Additionally, around his body were cans and cans of food that had been emptied and eaten, so he clearly had been eating over a period of time. Yet, when police checked the cupboards, there was enough dry food to last him and the four other men an entire year. 
so how had he starved to death as well? Ted Weir's family said that his disability may have played a part in why he had not survived even with abundant supplies. They said that he lacked common sense, even referring to an incident where their ceiling had caught on fire and he just laid in bed while it happened, forcing his family to drag him out. Jesus. While there was no sign of the other four men, there was evidence that Ted was not alone in the cabin, at least not the whole time. Shoes belonging to Gary Mathias were found along with food cans that had been eaten and opened with a military P-38 can opener, which only Jack Madruga and Gary Mathias knew how to use due to their brief military backgrounds. Hmm. And I looked up what this was, a P-38, only this sounds... Can opener. Yes, and it's just like, it's just a little piece of metal. It's like one inch by a half inch and it has like a little thing that flips out that looks like a little triangle yeah i feel like i can i yeah i I think we had one growing up they're so small i mean they're meant to be like like compact yeah Yeah. and to where um, you can almost puncture it and like pour it out without well yeah no basically i mean yeah it's very small and it's meant to be like easily carried around and stuff because you Mm -hmm. have to pack all this shit in the military yeah and i actually watched a youtube video of a guy like (laughs) Showing you how to yeah, use it. Yeah, how to use it. And I guess it's got its name from like, it takes 38 turns to open a can or something with it. P38, I don't know. Oh. Apparently it's been around since World War II. A little history fact for you people. Ooh, a little FF right there. Yeah. After finding Ted, police began to work backwards. Starting at the cabin and hoping to find something valuable along the 20-mile trail back towards the car was found months ago. And eventually they did. Along this route, they found the scattered remains of Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling. Evidence showed these young men died of hypothermia as well. They theorized that one of them had laid down to rest, which is a common symptom of hypothermia, Mm -hmm. and the other one had kept them company, sadly leading them both to pass from the cold. It was just two days later when Jackie Hewitt's remains were found too. This entire case is not only baffling, but extremely sad, but this part is extra sad. Jackie Hewitt's father had been out searching on foot and came upon clothing he recognized as belonging to his son. When he picked up the clothing, an entire backbone fell out onto the ground. Jesus. This put the total count at four men found, just leaving Gary Mathias. To this day, his remains have never been found. As far as theories or sightings go, this is a strange one. If you look up this case, all of the sources you find will mention this one story over and over again consistently of a man who thinks he may have spotted these five men. All of them. Mm -hmm. That same night that they apparently would have been stranded up there. It's kind of long, so I'll just give you the summary. Basically, this little bit older guy, maybe 50s, was up in the mountains on that same area where the car was found, and his car had gotten stuck. He tried to get it out, his own car out, and suffered a heart attack while he was up there alone. Wow. So knowing that he was having a heart attack, he got into his car, and he started the heat 
Now remember, he's stuck, right? So he's basically just hoping somebody comes along and hoping he doesn't die. So he passes out from this insane thing he's going through, right? And he wakes up hours later at night, and he wakes up because he hears something. And when he, like, gets up and kind of starts looking around, he sees car lights not too far away. Okay. So he gets out, like, he kind of pulls himself out of his car, like, still in and out of it and just like starts yelling for help right the voices stop and they turn off their car lights hmm so he's just screaming for help and people just like turn off their car lights right so he then passes back out and then wakes back up and says that he now hears voices again this is hours later again by the way And now he sees flashlights and, like, people walking not too far away. Like, he can see shadows, right? He says that he sees five dudes and a woman with a baby. And he starts yelling for help again. Okay. And they all stop talking and turn off their flashlights and, like, walk away. He then passes back out. (laughs) I know. Um, Right? Wakes up hours and hours later in the morning now of the next day pulls himself together and starts walking back into town and somebody eventually finds him and takes him to the hospital and the doctor confirmed like yeah you suffered a heart attack they also confirmed the doctor that these could have been completely made up hallucinations or how do you say hallucinations Hallucinations, thank you that's what i was gonna ask is it is that like a symptom of you know heart attack survivors especially when you go even into cardiac arrest even he said uh, it could have been real i don't know yeah that what okay <laughs> but i wanted to bring it up because it's brought up everywhere so hmm. i was like well i guess it's important enough to bring up yeah i mean there's now. probably not too many it sounds like uh sightings of these people so anybody yeah. that thinks they might have right if this is the only guy exactly then yeah you, you and what are the wanna... chances if you really think that you saw five dudes up there you know, when you're up yeah. on a very isolated area where nobody is really. There's a story of five people missing. Right. And did he? So he must have been on that same road then that mm-hmm. they were on. Okay. Hmm. Some of the boys' parents agreed that the sighting was probably false, stating that their boys were taught to help those in need. And if someone had been repeatedly calling for help, any of them would have come to his rescue. Yeah, you would think at least the people that had been in the army. Yeah, right. I think maybe, well, I'm going to let you, well, we'll discuss it at the end, but I'll let you finish. A woman who owned a gas station in a nearby town told police that a day or two after the boys went missing, she saw four out of the five men at her store. Two were inside buying food and two were outside using the payphone. Police weren't sure about this theory, though, because... Why would the men have come all the way back in town from way up high in the mountain to this little store to then go all the way back up into the mountains and then flee into the woods and pass away? They yeah. just, it just didn't make sense. Also, too, a little side note is that when the parents were told about this potential gas station sighting and that two of the boys were in a payphone like making calls... They quickly discounted this just strictly based off of the fact that they were making phone calls because apparently all of them had a really bad like phobia of talking on the phone and hmm. none of them would have done this. Gotcha. It would have okay. been like paralyzing to them. Hmm. Well, That's what the parents say at least. Who knows 
if they really were desperate to get out of that situation, if they were like calling for help somewhere they didn't know who to call, I don't know, but. With not much weight to this theory though, police noted it, but moved on. And that's where the case has stayed. Jack Madruga's mother had her own theory, stating, quote, there was some force that made them go up there. They wouldn't have just fled off into the woods like a bunch of quail. We know good and well that somebody made them do it, end quote. Another family member speaking out was Ted Weir's sister-in-law, stating, quote, they seen something at that game, at the parking lot. They may have seen it and didn't even realize that they seen it, end quote. Matthias's stepdad seems to think that nobody used the supplies to make a fire in the cabin and feared that they may have been found by someone they were potentially hiding from, and it would have brought attention to them. Hmm, okay. Someone brought up also that one of the guys had a friend who lived in a town not too far from the National Forest, but when located, that friend said that he hadn't heard from any of the guys, let alone that one friend in over a year. Thoughts and theories are sadly all anyone has after all of this time. Sometimes when a story has so many odd facts, we tend to think big. That the answer has to be something crazy and twisted. What if they had just simply taken a wrong turn? It was pretty late and they had almost an hour drive back home. They could have mistook that dirt road for another turn and ended up too far down the path and got stuck. Or, was there a fight? Is that why they all left the safety of the car? The snow was very bad, and perhaps they got turned around, not being able to see their tracks back to the car. Or, maybe they did see something that night, and someone followed them. Perhaps in the bad weather or out of fear, they took a turn and got out to flee further on foot, And before they knew it, they were stuck with no way back. We're coming up on the 45th anniversary. And with nothing substantial, it's hard to believe we'll ever get answers. But it's not about us. Five families have been left with nothing. They lost a child, lost hope, lost time and sleep. Nothing gained but questions and heartache. Okay. There's a weird one for you. Potentially we know, weird. Potentially weird. Do we know the severity of the disabilities between the five of them? There was a mix of like schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, things okay. like that. Some had anxiety, depression. I know that um, two of the, the the military men had been discharged because of schizophrenia. Okay. So they had All like right. an honorable discharge. And. If I, the oldest one was 42? 32. 32? 24 to 32, so okay, 24. not even I old at 42, all. I mm-hmm. Who, do we know who the oldest one was? Or I, I think it was Matthias. Gary Matthias. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. The only one they haven't I found. I can open it back up real quick, yeah. but yeah. I guess my... I put all their ages in here. What I found... Oh, I'm sorry. Ted Weir, so the one that was found. Okay, and what are the ages of the other? So, Jackie Hewitt was 24, the youngest. Okay. 
Next one up was Gary Mathias, 25, Bill Sterling, 29, Jack Madruga, 30, and Ted Weir, 32. Okay, and Ted Weir was the one found mm-hmm. in the cabin? Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because the you kind of you mentioned it when you you said they found Ted mm-hmm. in the cabin that it looked like he had a twelve or thirteen weeks, yeah, still alive because of based on his beard growth, mm-hmm. which in feb from February to June you're talking almost you know that whole twelve time. to sixteen weeks yeah yeah between them going missing and then them finding Ted so you're talking that made up they might have found Ted right after he had passed away right and then you're talking about a bunch of food being eaten and matthias right gary matthias mm-hmm. not being found but him signs of him also being at the cabin yeah i mean i don't know obviously the other two it seemed like they maybe were either lagging behind or yeah Maybe they all got to the cabin, and then the other two said, "I'm gonna, we're going to try to go back to the car or something, yeah. and that's where they ended up, you know, right. perishing. I mean, 20 miles is a really a long, long way. way. Yeah. I'm amazed they even made it that far up. I just wonder if, because you said Gary was also one of the only two that knew how to use the can opener. Mm-hmm. If he was, he stayed at the cabin, and they did all eat. Ted sadly died, but, like, Gary survived somehow. Mm-hmm and is still alive. Right. I mean... That's what they sent out a picture of Gary Mathias. What so he like, looks like? Okay. Everything. All the jails, hospitals, grocery stores, gas stations, everything around, and there was never a sighting. Yeah. There um, was a small little thing that was mentioned. These little facts are always kind of odd because when it's not mentioned throughout every article i'm like i don't even know did someone just hear that somewhere but it was mentioned that they found like kind of like a bundle of blankets kind of going in a direction away from the cabin that was Was different than the the others yeah and they said that they found it and they think it belonged to the cabin but there was no remains found near it so if he had dropped it which would be weird in the cold to just leave your blankets But also, there's also the fact, too, that, like, sometimes it sounds super fucked up, but, like, sometimes animals take their food places. Like, a bear took it into, like, a little den or something, and you just haven't found the bones because they're not out on the ground. They're just somewhere else. The odds of him being alive are obviously... Oh, yeah, very slim. Basically impossible. Four out of the five didn't survive, for sure. So we know the fact that, that... chances of him so the whole like mystery behind never finding him isn't that really a big of a mystery to me at least no i mean they're somewhere yeah and and we're also talking you know late 70s so it's not like they have the greatest technology to right i mean i'm surprised they were even able to like dna or like however they identify them yeah maybe the clothes they're wearing had tags on it or something i mean back then i don't even know how they did that yeah that's just it it, I guess what the the one point that is just sticking with me is that they were like so close to finding Ted at least when he was still alive. Yeah. I mean, they found him less than sixteen weeks later, and they said he his beard growth was at least thirteen weeks. So we're yeah. talking a three week period where he was alive, and they didn't find him. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you know, if if that much food was being eaten, 
they said, you know, an abundance, not, I mean, there was an abundance of food there, but you said there was open and eaten food, right? Around him. All around him, yeah. I mean, that could have very well been Gary. Yeah. And maybe Gary did after Ted, you know, died at, I'm gonna, I gotta go find, do something. Right. So, and it's, it's thought that Matthias took his shoes, Ted Weir's shoes. Okay. Because yeah, he Gary's was found with shoes. no shoes, exactly. And Gary's shoes were still yeah. at the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not, I don't, uh, maybe I, I want to, I'm not implying that Gary did something. No, no, no. I'm just saying that, yeah. like, it's it's weird that he's the one person not found that, based on it, all the time and everything, probably in his experience, you know, probably had the best chance of still being alive by the time they were found. Right. It sounds like he knew, being in the army, oh. how to survive, I suppose. And they weren't, that, I mean, yeah. Yeah, this that's a weird one. That mm-hmm. is there there's always weird I there's a few cases like this where when things take place in mountains like that, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's missing bodies still. Yeah. Like the first podcast we did together, the missing Panama hikers. Yeah. It's just like there's something there's so many options that it could have been. That you never might never know just because of how vast the like forest is. And I feel the same way about that one, the Panama Hikers, as, as I do about this, where it seems crazier than it probably, it probably is. is. Yeah. yeah, it really yeah. is probably just just like Panama Hikers, the elements. Yep. And, and when you throw in disabilities, it, I, I equate it. We've you and I have we talked a lot, and I'm sure people who listen to our podcast and other true crime. About the Idaho murders. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we've we've had long conversations about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, a point in that um, case right now is that the roommate didn't call 911 right away. Yeah. Um, the thing is, and we, I brought this up to you, is that you, you don't really know, though, how you would act in that situation until yeah. you're in it. You know yeah. what you think you would do, but until you're actually in a situation, yeah. you don't know. And yeah. so you don't know how these five people whether it's ted gary any of them when you get to a cabin i mean especially when you you're 20 miles away in the winter you just yeah. don't know where your brain is at to where you're yeah i know exactly what to do to survive you right. might just be in, I, I need food i need food and you're so hungry and then you don't realize oh i'm freezing to death yeah and then you're dead like yeah you just don't know and it could have easily just also like simply been they found themselves they could have all been at the cabin at one point that's and what i'm thinking maybe something happened to T- ted maybe he did get frostbite he was the first one and they were like hey yeah. you just stay here you get warm you eat we're gonna go out and try to get back to the car go get help and then they just didn't passed make it. away exactly yeah and he yeah, the and only you know reason what? he survived that long is because he stayed behind because he got hurt right. or whatever first or whatever it yeah was. he was frostbitten stuck in the cabin couldn't leave yeah so they all i mean that probably sounds most reasonable that they all got there yeah he was in pain obviously they said we're gonna go get you help we all got food in ourselves let's walk back to the car now or the other two never made it to the cabin the two that passed away together that's what i was kind of uh, talking about earlier but the idea that they all got there ate the food Instead of being like, let's get warm or anything, it's like, hey, we're fueled up. Let's get back to the car now yeah. and try to get you help. Yeah. But again, who knows? Right. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think I've heard this one. Do you know that the um, name sounds familiar, but I don't think I've heard it. There's gonna be a lot of people listening that will know what I'm talking about, but is the Dilatov Dilatov Pass? Russia, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Is it Russia? Where is it? Siberia? It might be. It's yeah. Something like that, right? Where mm-hmm. there's a lot of like people out there that are like, Oh, it's a Yeti or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't know. This has been called like the American Dilatov Pass kind okay. of thing. Where, There's a lot of weird things happen yeah. in that area. And I can't quote it for sure, but it's basically just a bunch of hikers that went on this crazy, like, Mount Everest, basically, kind of and just, trek. Yeah. And they went up there eventually to find them because they never came back down. And they were all dead in the weirdest fucking way. Yeah. And I think some of them have, like, their eyeballs removed or something. Like, it's insane. But we also, this was so long ago. <laughs> Who knows if someone just made that up? I mean, you You're don't know. talking about the dilatov yes yeah yes. yeah yeah so this is they call it that sometimes you'll see it the american dilatov pass because this one the Yuba. yeah okay. because gotcha. it's weird and people kind of died in it, a yeah. mountain yeah lots of questions no answers and weird things yeah to ask interesting yeah yeah but yeah well, i'd like you. to hear what other people have to say yeah about any this? theories because there's there's Cause a lot funky. i feel like there's a lot to go off of even though there's not a lot yeah of information about you could them. really take this so far or you could be like me and be like mm, it's probably not that complicated yeah, it might just be yeah the elements yeah, yeah. it's just well i i vow mm. as you we uh, vow segue on a segue mm. into the ending of this episode mm-hmm. uh that you will not be covering the next episode <laughs> <laughs> it has been so long since i did an episode myself i know uh i mean we've got our own reasons why aka we're both very busy. But oh yeah, you but my to be schedule's at this than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit more flexible. Yeah, yeah. I can so. squeeze in these little cases. Oh, but yeah. I'll, I'll I'll squeeze one in. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna squeeze one in. house a little quick. Squeeze one for out. You. I don't know. <laughs> Pinch that it off. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would love to know what everybody else might think. Yeah, happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you all. I hope you all enjoyed yeah. uh, listening. And mm-hmm. if you did, be sure to leave a what a, what a review, a rating. I think probably on the next one, right, like we'll that. try to get some comments out there. Some shout like out. That. So just load us up and yeah. we'll shoot it out the next time. We are doing a lot of weird things on the next <laughs> podcast. But I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Adios. Bye.